Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 155, and today we'll be talking about That Will Be All. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Ah, oh, this is the this is the one, this is the one with the song and dance number in it. Oh, you know it's gonna be good when you see Rebecca Sugar's name right there in the storyboard credits. Doesn't happen <laughs> often, so you know oh, yes. if she comes in to give her touch, uh it's a good one. Yeah, she's got the power. The really everything just feels really, really tight in this episode. There's there's a couple of things where I just feel like it's it's Rebecca's inclusion in the episode that kind of make sure these things happen. For instance, there's besides the the big song that happens, obviously a, an important part of this episode, there's a lot of other musical cues that are happening in this episode that just seem very like like someone like Rebecca was like, oh, I just want this sequence to play out really well. Like the ending with the Holly Blue discovering Stephen and Greg, there's like so many, if you go back and listen to that, there's just a great transition of all these different beats from the sort of spacey music where Holly finishes what she's saying to the uh, silence when she discovers them and then the transitioning music from the fight scene to what music specifically for Garnet and then switching over to music specifically for Pearl. Like, it's so good. And like the whole episode throughout, the boards are just really tight. Everything is, you know, on model. And I'm just I'm just going everywhere now. It was good. I just like it when when something's this solid and consistent and and just well paced. Yeah, this this was a very well done episode. I mean, rarely do I look at an episode and think, this one spent its time poorly, but like this one spent its time exceptionally well, packing a whole lot into an episode without making it feel like it took a long time. I feel like the only place where I think the episode could have wasted time is uh, I feel like the Famethyst is this like concept that is introduced in this bomb that has the least amount of payoff. Like there's just like they're there and they're there because it makes the escape sort of convenient it's about the closest thing to a Duzex machina that we have where it's like well the amethysts are on our side so let's get out of here but there's not a lot of payoff we get we see like amethyst enjoying their company but there's kind of like for all having all those character designs that not a lot's done with them uh they're just kind of there at the beginning of the episode until we we get to push steven and greg into into the rose quartz room but yeah, I I need to see more done with the Famethyst uh, before I feel like their inclusion was totally justified. Because I just haven't seen enough. I know Rebecca liked them a lot, though, from her drawings uh, of the Famethyst on her Tumblr. So I'm sure people want to draw more of them. So put them in more episodes. I think that's just the price you pay, really, for this show following Steven's viewpoint mm -hmm. almost exclusively. I mean, because Amethyst had plenty of time to bond with them. We just never get to see it. And I think including any of that would really, like, I mean, just that they were right. Your faces. Right. And there's there's not really any room for them to, like, there's no room in this five episode arc for them to, like, want show interest in leaving and going to Earth. You know, there's no, like, there's just no time for that. So they're just kind of there. And now they're still on the station. And hopefully Holly Blue doesn't treat them as poorly. But yeah, there's just not a lot of time we have to deal with them specifically steven doesn't even really interact with them directly you know he's yeah. just talking with amethyst really the tragedy of the famethyst is when you have to try to think about them and remember that they were made to fight the rebellion or fight against the rebellion 
and uh, probably a lot of them are 100-year veterans or longer. So for all the fun and games that they get up to, they, they are seriously combat experienced. Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting, like, you know, the show probably never going to have time to explore it. But like, if the Amethyst is involved later, there there's a conflict there of like, the Crystal Gems might have bubbled and, and possibly shattered some some of their compatriots. So yikes. <laughs> I don't know, their courses, they don't seem to think too hard about this stuff. I mean, you see all the fun and games that they're having, and then Holly Blue comes in, and it's like, oh, duty mode activated. So I, th- I think they can compartmentalize pretty well. Oh, they compartmentalize pretty well with those cubbies those that cubbies, they have. Yes, mm-hmm. that that is so adorable. I was just thinking, oh, what would I call those? I, I guess they're cubbies, like they're back in kindergarten and then oh my then you watch the episode again oh she did call them coming yeah that is so adorable yeah i didn't notice that until this round and i've definitely watched this episode a few times so yeah i feel like they don't hang out in those cubbies very often unless holly blue sees it so i i i just love the way i have to point this out every time the carnelian's looking while steven and greg are running away and she's like no not in there (laughs) It's like when Steven's doing his feeble no as Greg refuses the glow stick in political power. Exactly that kind of no. Hmm. Yeah, and what a what a room they ran into. So much I mean, I don't know about so much mystery. I mean, there's we, we pretty much know why they're there. It's the grief room. Just a very weird setup. I guess Blue sort of inherited all this stuff from Pink, it seems. It's like up to her to be the one who's supposed to shatter these yellow apparently isn't isn't touching any of this so i don't you know that actually sort of supports the idea that that blue and pink had a closer relationship than yellow and pink did uh as first evidence when blue's like set tells greg's that they're very close and now here it's like it's her she's has complete control of this space station she's the one who has to make a decision on these rose courses and it seems like for <laughs> millennia she has not been able to do anything about about them yeah uh, a lot of people wonder oh who bubbled them well, i think it's pretty obvious the pink diamond did i mean you just have to realize they were probably all bubbled as soon as one rose quartz rebelled Hmm, okay now that's interesting i did not think about that i when i saw that all the bubbles were pink I didn't know if that was intentional or not. It just looks better because they're already pink uh, quartz, but that's interesting. So yeah, Rose Quartz was a known threat. So perhaps they, you know, she attempted to bubble them all, but but she must have known that she hadn't bubbled the actual Rose Quartz. So maybe it was just done in an attempt to prevent, you know, they're like, oh, this maybe is a defective vein of quartz, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you have Yellow saying that the entire cut of gems deserves the same fate as the the one that shattered a diamond. Now, that 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 could just be severe tyranny for a severe crime, but it could also be coming from a very practical place of well, that these were probably put here uh, after the rebellion started. I mean, there were no rose quartzes in Pink's entourage. At least we later find out, but. I'm assuming they were all in this room. I'm just thinking about, you know, every every line said in the show, we have to explore more. So the fact that Steven asks the question, who bubbled these, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to have to probably directly deal with that. And 
Oh, can you imagine how epic it's going to be when we get the first flashback that shows Pink Diamond? Yeah, I I don't know how we're going to get these flashbacks, but somehow they're going to have to happen. I, I don't know. Pearl owes us so many flashbacks. Oh, one thing I thought about Pearl again today, I'm still so confused on Pearl's identity, but I noticed for the first time with, with you know, blue and yellow Pearl standing right next to each other, that that Pearl's original design uh, in show with her transparent skirt is exactly like the transparent sort of shoulder things that both uh, yellow and blue Pearl have. Like, there's still so many connections that Pearl has to possibly being a diamond Pearl, and yet everything else I know about Pearl doesn't seem to line up with her being a diamond's Pearl. Yeah, it's complicated. But we keep getting these, like, visual hints. Like, they were clearly, I mean, they they were designed out of the same idea, unless that's just a feature Pearls generally have anyway, which could also be the case. Maybe Pearls tend to pick that design. I think pearls get a lot of stuff picked for them. Right. So, hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's why it takes Pearl so long to reform. She's not supposed to be able to decide what she looks like. That would be an interesting thought. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever know more about what it's like for a gem to reform. There was a lot of confusion thrown in the process when we saw how fast Amethyst could reform. Oh yeah, it looks like Quartz is really tough to keep down on the battlefield if they can come back in 30 seconds to a minute. Right, well, in all those cases, she had some major flaw with her, but like, it seemed like the only thing limiting you was what you thought of? Like, it didn't actually take time. It took Amethyst four hours, but it seems like it was four hours just deliberating what form to come back in. The fact that Pearl took two weeks to make a little bow, eh, maybe that's just a Pearl thing. That is another possibility. Pearl is... Very fastidious, and very, uh, she gets caught up on the details, so that would be another thing that could make sense for why Pearl takes so long to reform. Sure. Or maybe her inner world that we've only ever seen in the comics, you know, maybe she's back in her gym, she notices some things a little disorganized, she's gotta put the police tape here, put the other mirror, mirror gem over here, you know. Probably keeping up an herb garden, too. (laughs) Hmm. You know, hobbies, hobbies. It just seems like a polite little hobby that Pearl might take up. I I think so. It it would tie in well with her possible owner also liking to control plant life, so. I mean, Rose may as well have been her owner, let's be honest. Hmm. I'm still going to be thinking about Pearl all the time. Anyway. I mean, who doesn't really? (laughs) So yeah, the song. What did you think of Patti LuPone's performance? I think uh, she deserves all the hype she gets on Broadway. Yeah, it definitely made me interested in seeing her performance of things because I, I had never even heard of her before, which is apparently not a thing that should. You know, apparently, I should know her because she's really well known. Well, if you're into if you're into musical theater, she would be. But for people like us who aren't into musical theater, our first introduction to her is going to be Yellow Diamond. And she knocked it out of the park when they finally gave her some songs to sing, you know, some words to sing. Uh, very off-putting song at first. They went very different, but uh, having having heard it so many times, uh, I I obviously love it now. Having having heard the original demo and then uh, sort of heard the hearing the process described of how they got from uh, Rebecca's original demo to to what uh, Ivy and Sarashu put together, it's just like it's so cool how they're able to transform 
something that totally doesn't sound like what they ended up making. Like it's just got this really great epic and off putting feeling to it. Uh, I really like the sounds that they've picked for the diamonds. And I'm really excited to continue hearing the themes of the diamonds with their just solid chords. Like it's really cool. And also I like seeing the sort of not that subtle, but somewhat subtle feelings of yellow also come out here as, as she's both trying to get blue to move on, but we also see that she has a genuinely, you know, sort of, she's hurt too <laughs> about oh, the death yeah, of I mean, pink. And I, I'm really more excited to see how yellow deals with all this than blue. Although blue, I feel like the more exciting path to explore is her previous relationship with pink. Whereas I feel like yellow has the more interesting relationship with with currently the state of pink being dead. Like she's probably one who has more to process and deal with than blue. Blue's a lot more open to dealing with her pain. Yeah, blue's the one who just withdraws from life completely and gives completely into depression. Yellow's hiding her depression by giving herself over completely to work and trying to just erase anything that reminds her of why she's sad. This is, of course, assuming that you... Do not believe Yellow Diamond to be the real killer. I, I think that's <laughs> no, no, too. No. I think that's too easy because they like really pointed the finger at her really hard. Like Zorgon pointed at both of them, but she may as well have just been pointing both fingers straight at Yellow for uh, all the fandom thinks. I think that'd be too easy, right? Well, and it's so cliche if that was the case. You know, it's just it's so obvious. It's not even obvious. It's just like no, you can't. She's as much of a candidate as Greg is. Like, it didn't happen. I'd honestly listen to an argument for Greg more because maybe Greg still is a time traveler, you know? I mean... Onion's a magical plant. Rose, who has pink diamonds, can make magical plants. Mm -hmm. Therefore... It's obvious. I mean, remember when Greg says, It's not like I was there! Uh Uh-huh. Nobody was saying you were Greg until now. I know that I will never let that line go. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's uh, that's that's mighty suspicious. I think you doth protest too much. <laughs> also, thinking about the future of things suggested by the song, I I still want to know what is involved in that plan of attack that Yellow talks about. We know I, that I don't think it's they need the cluster thing. for something. You don't think so? Just a general how to move forward type of thing. That's the impression I get. Now, if they really are plotting an attack with that cluster, that would be just completely out of left field for me. Although I do want to see, like, what do they use these geo-weapons against? The cluster isn't even their only one, so what do they use them for? Yeah, I honestly feel like they're kind of setting up for something completely out there. We've already seen them. The point is, Season 5 has many more... We've seen from the previews, there's huge twists coming up, so... I, I can feel, I, or I, I feel it's valid to think that we might even see bigger turns, like the gems are fighting a more serious threat. That would really give more, uh, you know, a, a greater empathy to their whole situation. I mean, we're already empathetic to Yellow and Blue uh, dealing with Pink's shattering, but there'd be even more to just the whole something that sort of justifies the whole gem Jumpire, <laughs> you know, if they're being fought against. That has been a very common theme of speculation for, like, about ever. I mean, even mm-hmm. lately, 
people are like, well, I mean, they're they're using these courses, these armies to fight wars against who? And even right from the beginning, back before, you know, back when I'm wondering, well, why are the gems leaving Earth alone? Maybe they're too busy doing other things. Now, now we later learned that the reason they were leaving Earth alone was because they thought it was going to blow up anyway, so why bother? But, I mean, there's a big question mark over why the gems do what they do. I mean, they, they could just be expanding so they can be strong enough, just in case. I mean, that is an entirely uh, disturbingly reasonable thing for them to be doing. Yeah. I don't know. If you're if you're developing something, though, that's even larger than and probably more powerful than the diamonds... I'd question why you'd want to do that. <laughs> it's already capable of having thoughts that, you know, they're they're like a unified force. You'd really think they'd want to be careful with something like that or, or have yeah. a really good reason to resorting to such measures. Eh, whatever. Might be for the better that it's safely bubbled inside Earth. Mm, well, we'll see how long it stays safely bubbled inside Earth. I mean, if anybody unsafely unbubbles it, it's probably going to not be Steven and the crew. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a monster reunion type episode. It's just like, you know what? Let's try unbubbling the cluster. We can make this work out. Steven, <laughs> Steven's healing spit. Yeah, there you go. You know, honestly, are they going to be able to unfuse those shards? That's, you know, that's completely somewhere else. But all, all thoughts now that I'm thinking. <laughs> just uh, two words. Code Lioko. Hmm. Reset button on everything. Except you can't bring people back to life. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do about it. I guess some things are just permanent. Yeah. Old crystal gems will stay shattered and some scars will never heal. But I I mean, we were we were talking about the there being no really wasted time. If if I were going to think of any candidates for wasted time, it would be while Holly Blue is walking away from the meeting with the diamonds. And that, that just that whole sequence, yeah, it was funny. Don't get me wrong, but if they wanted to cut time from somewhere to put it somewhere else, that would be where I'd say to try. Mm. I feel like that sequence is what sets up. Like yeah. you need those beats to happen in order for the the pause and the you know Stephen and Greg boarding the ship. I, I'm not sure how I would cut that anymore, but yeah, I mean either you know either there or the Famithus at the beginning because you can't cut the song and. But uh, again, I don't know what you would do with that cut time either. I don't. I don't know what kind of meat you would replace it with. So. Plus, it is really funny seeing Holly Blue basically come right out and say that Yellow Diamond suits her temperament so much better. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, when, when she was talking about being made for Blue but not minding being made for Yellow, it also sort of reminded me that we have not seen a single gem. Not only have we not seen White Diamond, we have not seen any gems hinted at being from White Diamond, aside from maybe Pearl, our Pearl. So... That that's int- an interesting thought I had too. It's just like everything one we've seen has either been branded with blue diamond or yellow diamond, and actually Pearl's spacesuit was outfitted with a pink diamond. I-, I I wonder if the white diamond gems, if there are any, or if if they are like the ones we've be. seen, because that was that was Amethyst's disguise, a white diamond. So again, white diamond might just be a catch-all diamond. Hmm. Oh, did our Amethyst when she morphed have a white diamond on her suit? Yep. Now that is interesting because Amethyst doesn't even understand really the gem culture since she's only on Earth. I wonder nope. if that's un is it like white white or like light white purple? white white white. Hmm 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 hmm. Just full brightness, no saturation. I wonder how if that's intentional or not. And also, 
if it was intentional, no one reacts to it. I don't know. But then again, she's like... She's wearing a white diamond and escorting Blue Diamond's own sapphire. And nobody's like, yeah, this is weird. Right. Well, in general, that whole thing's weird because Ruby doesn't even have a, you know, diamond on her. So it's like, wouldn't Holly see that or wonder about it? Same thing with Pearl. Pearl's not marked in any way. And every other gem we've seen, except for the off colors, have been marked with their diamonds. Diamond. I don't know. Uh, Maybe Holly really is as incompetent as we've found her to be. Oh, I mean, she's not exactly on a high-priority installation. That's very true. This might be as much of a get-out-of-my-way assignment for her as it is for all of the quartzes on the station. Yeah. And you know how she loves to talk down on them. Wow, yeah, that really is. I mean, that's all she has, so I guess that makes sense. (laughs) She's not only not really valued by the diamonds... But the only pleasure she has is putting herself above some people. But they're pretty much the lowest people anybody in the whole (laughs) in the whole empire would think of, you know, just Earth court soldiers. Could be worse. She could have a staff full of pearls. (laughs) I think they need to demote her to Ruby duty, force her to lead a platoon of rubies. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, that'd be pretty rough. It looks like Doc needs some help. Uh, but as far as errors in this episode, the only thing I noticed, and it does jump out at me really hard, is the floor uh, in the room when Ruby and Sapphire go to meet the diamonds. And their position on the floor changes. Mm. It's, it starts out where they're standing directly on the diamond symbol, but then there are other shots where they're standing way far away from it. Right. Uh, yeah, th- that's sort of like... You know, now that I've been listening to the official Steven Universe podcast, they've been talking some about the post-editing where, like, you know, they might make small adjustments to the animation. Uh, there's not a lot they can do, really. You know, I don't I don't know exactly how they coordinate the backgrounds with with the animation. But, you know, so, you know they if they don't catch that, uh, it's not much else you can do if some of those floor paintings get get done in the wrong perspective. Yeah, they've oopsie whoopsie done the on the backgrounds a few times. Yeah, uh, it's not much much they can do, I guess. Uh, Such is fate. Except keep trying better. Uh, uh, the only error I noticed was <laughs> was one that has already happened once, which is we see a roaming eye, and and now there's no roaming eye again. You know, there's no roaming eye when they leave the station. There are two giant arms, but I I, I just don't know why they bother drawing in a roaming eye. Got a yellow diamond flexing, uh, right? Like, I, I what was the? I guess they just were like, hey, roaming eyes are other places in space too. But it's like a three second establishing shot. And, and, and then it's not repeated in the other places where we see the space station. I mean, sure, it could have been masked by the arms, or it could have been farther out, because the arms were there, but whatever. Eh. So I wonder if we'll ever find out approximately where the zoo is. So it's around some ring world that looks like Saturn, but it can't be Saturn, because there's no way no. Pearl would be like, yeah, 70 years to get to Saturn? That's a good pace. <laughs> right, unless the default speed is crazy slow. Well, when she built her own spacecraft out of primitive propulsion-based travel technology, she thought that, what, 25 years to get to Alpha Centauri was a decent time. I think 50, maybe. Because Greg says well, I'll be dead in 50 years. 50 years for the round trip. 
Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure why it would just be randomly in space and not even in Homeworld's galaxy either. It's kind of weird. Again, I don't know if there's really any... You know, they, they purposely chose to not put it in Homeworld's galaxy. I wonder if that... Like, why? You know, they they have the ability to put this thing wherever they want. The the writers, the creators, so... You would have figured that they would have gone ahead and put it in our solar system. It would make perfect sense. Right. I mean, they had to put it far enough away where they needed to use the gravity engine because they needed to have a whole episode of Steven whining. So they had to at least put it <laughs> out that harsh. far. But then, like, where... Why, why not just make it Homeworld's Galaxy? Because you don't want people to think that we're getting close there yet. But, like, why would the diamonds just put a human... Or Pink put a human zoo... In the middle of nowhere, I mean, space is a big place. If you think something's important, I want to just put it somewhere random where it could get lost, you know? I want it in a very, you know, close to some place where I have base. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it wouldn't have made sense from a writing perspective to put it in the solar system. Because if you wanted to put it at Saturn, like if you're traveling at light speed, that's only an hour away from Earth. So, right. I mean, apply, apply a small multiplier because... Without the gravity engine, it's not going to get up that fast. It's like, eh. So, uh, there's no need to use the gravity engine. Steven can't be that impatient. Can he? Mm. <laughs> Can he? Uh, I mean, I, I guess it would make sense. Uh, because I'm not a big fan of Adventures in Light Distortion anyway. So if you're like, okay, come on, I'm, I'm going to ruin all this because I don't want to wait like five hours. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I, I think the only thing that could have made the human zoo location more interesting for me is if that planet we had seen near it looked like a, a gem colonized planet giving it some reason to just be out there in the middle of space like oh here's this colonized planet and also it would have been a really cool opportunity to to see like just so we saw we saw earth uh in uh, it could have been great, you know, in its fully gutted out version. Yeah. It would have been neat to see something like that already implemented. And then, oh, this gives us this broader idea of context of what, you know, what the gems are doing across the universe, you know. But instead, eh. I think it's supposed to be like a remote sanctuary first for Pink Diamond, now for Blue Diamond. So maybe that's why it's not in a more important place. Right. Uh, system where the gems have other stuff going on because it was put in there before Pink Diamond was killed. So this is back when they think, hey, we're just going to finish this rebellion and we're going to do this colony. And there's going to be all sorts of gem activity here. So maybe they wanted to move it somewhere more removed. It's still a weird location, especially considering it was done during the rebellion because they didn't used to have the gravity drive or the gravity engine back in the day. You know, their drop ships or whatever those older ships were called apparently only ever traveled at light speed or less uh, according to what we've hmm. seen maybe so, there's a maybe there's a planet with a warp pad in that system right well yeah we don't know how far warp technology works either like is it just infinite can i set up a warp pad on homeworld and yes it, yes you can wait you did can they have between galaxy warps from the homeworld to earth did the Galaxy Warp have a warp specifically to Homeworld, or was it to another place in space? Yeah, it was the biggest, most central warp pad that specifically went Goes to straight to Homeworld. Wow. So all they have to do is travel to a planet, and then once they have the warp, they can set up a warp system. That is super interesting. And they, they probably have uh, uh, 
some ability to send spaceships through warp, but apparently they don't bother with that anymore thanks to the gravity engine. Yeah. But obviously, it's like you have to be there to set up the warp pad. You would probably have to be there to set up whatever warp ring or equivalent you would use. Mm. Yep. So, uh, any more thoughts about that will be all? <laughs> uh, I think that'll be all from me. Yeah, and that is all from me. So, uh, everybody join us next week. I will probably actually be talking about Ian Jones Cordy's new TV show, OKKO. OK it's finally got enough episodes for us to kind of discuss it. You know, he was the supervising director for quite a while of Steven Universe, so it, we just want to check in and see how he's doing. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.